Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 110. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, by popular demand, we have a special guest, from the team misplay, Cotillion. Welcome to the show, Cotillion. Hey, Patamaro. Thank you for having me. I didn't know it was by popular demand. It was. Well, only one person has ever demanded for a guest, and it was you. So I assume I assume <laughs> there's dozens and dozens of other who just didn't didn't mention it. Well, so, well I don't know about that, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Regardless, yeah, I'm happy to uh, join you for uh, yeah this the Sunset Show. So good stuff. Yeah, exactly, and that's uh, exactly it. So this week we're gonna say goodbye to Revelations, and then uh, you know throw out um, talk just a tiny bit about this new set that's on the horizon here. Um, but before we get into all of that, uh, I do want to plug the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash farming eternal, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to show notes and recording bloopers. And you also nudge us towards our Patreon goals, uh, which we have none of right now, but don't let that dissuade you from anything. One day, one day we'll come up with another great goal and you'll help us get there. Um, and we like to also say thank you to everyone who does support the show. So thank you to D-Dubs, Demo, Steve Irwin, Cotillion, Low-Key Trickster, Mercurio Blue, Abednego, Meagles, Madness, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrich0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yistow. We uh, really appreciate uh, you all for supporting us week, week after week. Thank you. And thank you, Cotillion, for not only supporting the show, but helping produce it sometimes. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, the only other thing is uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the special episode we had uh, last week, a little constructed episode. I think that went well. I enjoyed I enjoyed doing it, at least. So I think we're going to sprinkle a few more of those in um, in the future, hopefully. As long as I stay motivated and yeah, I thought it was a nice change of pace. And uh, I also want to mention Jed the Homerid, and um, you know I think he filled in for you a few for a few episodes, and I thought he did an awesome job as well. So you know, uh, very very good podcast lately. I yeah I agree. Uh, Jed did a great job. Uh, thanks to Gunner and John for coming on too. So. Yep. Really, this is uh, just like the Patreon. Is a lot of people help make this show what it is. So it's it's really not just me. It's really all the help that I get that allows us to keep going. Because it's been a tough year, a tiring year, and uh, the, it's the little things that help <laughs> help keep you motivated. <laughs> we all have your back. All right. So uh, there's not much to talk about in our usual next segment, which was how was your draft week? Because I know you haven't been drafting much, and I haven't been drafting a ton this past week, but what have you been doing? Yeah, I haven't been drafting. I haven't been drafting really since the last draft open. Um, I think last month, I, I think I, I just got barely into Diamond, and then I just called it quits. 
Um, not that I was struggling or anything, but, you know, it, the, the format is, is a little stale at this point, and we'll get into that. Um, so I've just been saving up my gold uh, to draft the new set that's coming out. Um, and what else I've been doing, what I've been playing, a little bit of storybook brawl. Um, I got into that game, um, and it, it, it's fun. It's much different. It's a little more casual than Eternal. Um which is both refreshing and sometimes aggravating because you have, I think, less control over the outcome of games. Um, but, and then Darkest Dungeon 2 came out, and I think I'm going to download that and play. Um, I loved one. Um, and then the hockey season started. So, um, yeah, now I'm the, watching the Philadelphia Flyers every other night. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have them on in the background right now, to be honest, but you have my attention. Okay, good. Good to know. Not me, the the audience (laughs) has their fullest attention. Yeah, I've been playing a little bit of Storybook Brawl, too. It is kind of funny because I I agree it is more casual, but then the games take longer. So it's like it's a little frustrating in that regard where you're like, Sometimes you're like 20 minutes into a game and then you just get really unlucky and then your run ends and you're like, oh, that was a totally dissatisfying experience. Oh, yeah. And it's not on your phone. So you're locked to your laptop. You know, sometimes I play Eternal and I walk around the house doing laundry or, you know, just I'm never tied to one location. Um, So, yeah, that makes those 20 minute games feel even longer sometimes. But I totally hear you. But yeah, and I haven't been drafting quite as much. Uh, I also, you know, I did the constructed podcast. I played a bunch of constructed for that to brew the brew those decks and just play with them. And mm-hmm. then also, I kind of um, two months ago, I I had my best ranking ever. I got top ten last month. I got all the way to rank five, and then I had about a seven draft horrible losing streak, where I went like. I went one three one three two three two three 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 and then maybe a five three and I was just like even though I was like slowly turning it around I was like I I can't even <laughs> right now I need I just need a break yeah when and, you get to those like that top ten it almost become it can become like stressful in a way because you feel like you have to maintain the rank and. Then when you start falling off, you play even more to try to regain the rank. It's like a, a little bit of a vicious cycle. Yeah. You start grinding and you're not focusing as much. At least that's been my experience in the past. Um, yeah. And what kind of happened was it was not even that I was like not maintaining. I was just like started doing so poorly. And I had been doing so well for like a month and a half that I was like, I think it was just like I had been on the good end of variance for a while and then i just like swung all the way in the other direction and i was just like i i need to take a break and then that sort of dovetailed straight into uh the draft rewards update uh announcement as well as sort of like set 12 coming out soon and so then i was like well this is actually like a great time to take a break because you know, with the new set coming out, you know, I have I have an excuse to to take a break now. Um, but yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Direwolf Digital did announce an update to the draft reward system to sort of make it um, 
more in line, I think, with uh, Magic Arena. And so now to the break, you're actually slightly above break even point is five wins. And so that means it is now at least plausible for one to go infinite in draft because if you can maintain a 5-3 record you should theoretically uh, be able to chain drafts Um, and then going six wins or seven wins is even higher EV and then uh, you also and then along with this change it they no longer give the treasure chest so instead of that you're like guaranteed in unco- uh, like two cards, I think. So like, a, and those slowly increase until you get to seven wins where it's like a guaranteed legendary is uh, in, in your two cards. Uh, so no, no chess, no chance for chest upgrades anymore. But uh, as long as you can maintain a high enough win rate, you should be able to chain drafts uh, together. So I think that's a very exciting thing. They did uh, temper people's expectations a little bit and said that this is a temporary change and they want to just see how this affects the economy of the game. Um, And so things could change going forward again. Yeah, but I mean, that that is that's that's huge. Uh, I mean, it's the biggest change and to to the game in general since I've been playing for about two years now. and I'm really optimistic that it'll get the queues filled up again and people excited to draft more often and more consistently, um, not just in like the week or two weeks leading up to a draft open. Um, so, you know, good, good on Direwolf. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm really, and I'm hoping that it makes draft feel less punishing and less like you have to get seven wins. I mean, obviously you still have a strong incentive to get seven wins because then you can post it to our discord. But, you know, it like will make those like five threes or those six threes feel a little less bad, I think, which is one of the weird things where we were, where like a six three is an incredible record, but it just like felt like a failure in the current system. Agreed. All right. So, uh, on to card of the week. Uh, this week, uh, you know, we're not going to talk a ton about the spoilers for set 12, but I thought we'd both pick uh, pick a card to talk about from all the cards that have been spoiled. Uh, if you haven't seen any of the spoiled cards, uh, you know, they're all pinned in the Discord, but you can also go to uh, spoiler.soulforgeladder.com and um, uh, uh user Kaliri, uh, you know, posts all the spoilers there that you can kind of toggle through or search through. And there's some, uh, so a little bit of sorting you can do. Um, and so they've pre- previewed about 30 cards, uh, so far. So we're getting a glimpse of the set. Uh, so, uh, Cotillion, what, what card are you, do you want to talk about today? All right. So, um, you know, I think we're, you're a draft-focused podcast, so I figured uh, I'd pick a card that I think will get some attention in draft. Um, it may be a little boring, but there's a reason why I picked it, and it is called Trick Throw. It's a one-cost, one-primal uh, s- slow spell, and it's deal two damage, and you may transform another card in your hand into a snowball. And the reason why I like this is, you know, it's obviously cheap cost removal. Um, 
And in Revelations, one of the things everybody really noticed was the lack of plunder. Um, so there was, you had to kind of figure out, well, how do you mitigate flooding, um, for instance? And one of the ways that, you know, this kind of popped out at me is that you can transform another card. So if there isn't plunder in this new set, well, this is, an, this is kind of a way that you can mitigate flooding where, you know, you can, uh, if you do flood, you can, you know, transform one of your extra sigils into a snowball um, and make it a little bit more useful. So, you know, we'll get into, you know, the lack of plunder in the old Revelation set, but, you know, that's that's kind of what led me to pick Trick Throw as my card of the week. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, it, it is an uncommon, so it it is kind of in uh, Primal's wheelhouse to have sort of this uncommon direct damage spell. Um, so I feel like this is probably worse than, uh, what's the two-cost deal three? Vicious Overgrowth. Yeah, I think it. I think it'll be worse. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. I do like the transform effect. Yeah. So yeah, this will be an interesting card. It is funny. We talked about this right before the podcast, but uh, they did uh, preview uh, uh, sort of a a, a power related uh, mechanic in Inscribe, which is kind of like Pledge, where you can a card with Inscribe, you can play it. Um, as a depleted power but instead but instead of only being able to play it on your first turn you can play it any turn um and so you can play any card with that has inscribed as a power a depleted power on any turn um so i think that'll be it'll be interesting to see you know how this all works together because i you know inscribed means you're probably going to be playing fewer power in your deck and so maybe that makes trick throw worse because you don't have fewer power in hand that you don't want to sort of turn into a snowball. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I know. In all fairness, I did pick this before the yeah. uh, inscribe mechanic <laughs> got spoiled this afternoon, but I didn't change it. So. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think that's a it's a bad pick. Um, yeah, so you know you picked. Uh, a draft uh, focus card, but I wanted to talk about Steel Fang Chakram. Um, and you're like, why are you talking about a rare on this podcast? But uh, there's a new card in this set. Uh, it's a Chakram Throw, and it's a six fire, a fast spell. Play a, a four attack Steel Fang Chakram on one of your units. Um, but it's also, it's an uncommon. So, Cotillion, uh, what do you think about a fast speed Steel Fang Chakram uh, that costs six? Um, yeah, it's that last part that makes me hesitate a little bit, the, the costing six. Um, I mean, I never really like a trick which this kind of is the first time you play it to cost anywhere near that much. Um, it's, it's, it's the chakram weapon. So, you know, whenever the unit that has it dies, the chakram comes back and you can play it again. So on future turns, I mean, it may be, it may be good. I forget how much does the chakram cost itself for? Yeah. Okay. So you play it 
has a fast spell for six, your unit dies, but it kills, you know, whatever your opponent's unit is, it's attacking. And then on your turn, you get it, you get the chakram in your hand for four. I mean, I guess it's not bad, but man, you got to hold up six to play it on your opponent's turn, which is a lot. And then on the following turn, you play it for four. It's, it's, it's very expensive. I mean, I, I'm sure there's a place for it, but it's it it may be a little deceiving um, to some folks on you know perhaps how 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 good it may be um, you know uh, uh, maybe or maybe I'm undervaluing it at first glance I, I I don't see it being as good as some folks think it it is yeah yeah it, I guess the the real question is having it. Is the first copy being fast speed, is that worth two extra power? You know, because that's the thing with Steel Thing Chakram is like at four power, it was already a pretty expensive weapon. But, it was. But it was still good enough that it was it was one of the few weapons that you were like, a lot of people would just like splash in any deck. You know, you, you like always played a Chakram, you're happy to open it. Um, well, now this one, you know, you... you you have to wait a couple more turns to play it, but then it also has the flexibility to, you know, unlike Steel Fang Chakram, you know, like you were saying, you can use this as a combat trick and not two for one yourself. You know, like you're, you're. Yeah, you are getting the value back. Yes. So, I mean, you are one for oneing because you're mm-hmm. losing your unit because this doesn't really give that health in a lot of cases but i mean again this is a lot more expensive but this this card is a lot better than a size slash when used defensively um yeah i mean i can see it as as a as a really good top end to you know your fire decks um but you know it being six cost i think that's exactly it at your top end yes yeah, and it's really interesting. It also depends, I think, a lot on how fast fire is in this format because, you know, like a, a card like um, a lava was it lava burst the 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 six costs uncommon from this format that uh, deals six damage and can't be blocked by Aegis. Um, you know, I feel like that card what ended up not being played that much or particularly good in the fire decks because a lot of the fire decks were trying to be really fast this format and so even though you would think like six unblockable damage you know like oh this is just like a better gun down because it it kills everything gun down kills plus more plus it can go face and yet i mean it costs one but it costs one more and that turned out to be a break point yeah yeah it did um yeah so we'll see uh yeah so we're gonna uh skip our seven win run breakdown segment usually at the sunset show i like to do kind of a final farewell based on all the statistics but we don't have the we don't have the most up to date because this was a little bit impromptu and i didn't get the show notes and uh recording times to john and in time so he didn't he didn't update the list so maybe next week i'll get we'll do one final statistical farewell to this format um but we'll get right into uh, into our main topic uh which is the sunset show 
where we say goodbye to the format. We ask a few questions, we answer a few questions, we reminisce about the last six months of our lives, um, you know, together. And uh, that is one six thing months. to know is, Oof. you know, Revelations actually came out in May um, of this year. So this format has been with us for almost six months now. So uh, Direwolf sort of changed their release schedule. And at least in this last six months, they went back to set one mini set and then now another big set. And so, and with a bigger gap between set releases. So there was, that was, I think, one of the things to notice about set 11 revelations is that we, it was with us for a very long time. Um, and so, uh, our first question that we always ask is, so what's your <clears throat> one or so sentence summary of uh, the set 11 draft format? Yeah, so mine is, uh, for better or worse, it was the format defined by the new mechanics that it introduced, namely stealth and valor. Um, you know, some of the past formats maybe haven't really focused on the mechanics your new mechanics so much as you know like like some unit like new units and um just interest interesting synergies things along those lines were this i think this format really had a specific sense of identity and it was yeah how to play and deal with stealth and valor yeah yeah and one of the interesting things to me especially about stealth um, is that this was one of the first formats I felt like where one of these set specific, like a synergy set specific mechanic kind of actually worked where, you know, you only ever saw stealth cards and their payoffs in two of the packs. And yet there were just so many stealth cards that you were able to make it work as compared to uh, some of their previous uh, sort of their previous synergy mechanics, you just never were able to get there, it felt like. So that that was one interesting thing, is they like finally fi figured out the critical mass needed to make two packs of something work. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so my... So what, was, uh, yeah, what was your sentence? Yeah, my sentence, uh, blocking is bad, but so is attacking sometimes. Uh, you know, <laughs> this uh, this format, I think uh, felt like, you know, you got put into tricky situations often, and sometimes it felt like there were some impossible choices. There was a, some hidden information, and then also Valor just makes it hard to attack because it's an attacking mechanic. And, and so you were incentivized to attack and have aggressive units in your deck. And there's also like open way supplier, which I don't know. I don't know. Gave you a unit killer, which cleared the way for you, or just a lot of these incentives to block. But then there were also just like cards, like mostly, I guess, telekinetic shackles, which just like punished you so hard for an overcommitting attack. Um, you know, and so it, there were just like a lot of these little things going on that made the format, I think, pretty interesting, but also, I think, in some people's opinions, a little linear, like the you know, some people really didn't like the feeling like they couldn't block or whatever. 
Yeah, and I get that. And I think that that was something that we can get into um, a little later. But yeah, it, it, it forced you to play a different a different type of card game, this format, which I liked, which I liked. Um, because, yeah. Yeah. Blocking blocking was it was it was really difficult. This format, um, you had to know. Um, or at least have a good idea as to what your opponent had in their hand in order, you know, to to block and to attack, uh, just like you said, because shackles, um, yeah, was could could be a, a true reverse blowout. Yeah. Um, so, how did you like the format overall? Um, I I did I I enjoyed it. Um, I I obviously have a couple gripes, but. Um, you know, that that's with every, every format. And this one, um, I did. I liked the mechanics. I liked Stealth and I liked Valor. I, I found both to be interesting. Um, I think for Stealth, you know, it really rewarded players for knowing the format and knowing the cards that were out there. Um, you know, obviously when your opponent put a Stealth unit on the board, um, it was good to, to, to have a good idea as to what, what it was. Um, and... I liked, I, I liked the fact that, you know, I think like the Maveloft botanist, sneaky botanist, um, and concealed veteran, you know, that that's like a really good example of what I'm talking about, where, you know, you, you could take the risk and let their time stealth unit three costs attack in, or you could block it. And, you know, it, it, I guess it, it really, it really made you weigh the pros and cons as to, as to doing just that. Did you want to sacrifice a unit in case it was the concealed veteran, in which case, you know, your, 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 your two defense unit would, would die. Um, was that worth it to not let a potential Maveloft botanist in? Um, you know, I, I just, I, I, I did, I liked that dynamic. I mean, it made you think, um, and that's always a good thing to me in a card game like this. And then for Valor, uh, you know, we mentioned already, I think it made a lot of players yeah, play a different style of game um, than what they were used to because you can't you couldn't block comfortably um, unless you had certain tricks like shackles in your hand uh, when your opponent had Valor units on the on the board. And, you know, that also in the, during the drafting process, it caused you to pick certain cards like shackles, maybe more highly than you otherwise would because. You know, you knew that Valor was something that you were going to have to deal with. So, you know, it, it affected both the games and the drafting, um, which which I found to be, um, you know, a, a pretty cool result of the format. And then, you know, I think the mechanics, like we mentioned before, gave um, Revelations a good sense of identity itself. You know, I never felt like it was kind of a rehash. You know, I mean, these, these were two brand new mechanics. Um, that were heavily featured, and that's that's exactly what you were dealing with during the games. Um, so, you know, I, I liked that, that it didn't feel like a rehash a, a, at all. Um, Direwolf, you know, tried something new, and, you know, with, with Stealth in particular, I found it to be really cool, but, you know, it, it, it lasted a little too long for, for, for my liking, so it did get a little stale, um, and that's probably my gripe is just that it – you know, the format went a little long and I don't know if it just felt like that or it was long based on your history with the game too. I don't know. Is six months 
a long time. Yeah, it's six months is, is a long time. It used to be six months per set. And then once they went to the double mini set thing, they actually like sped up the release times a little bit. So it was closer to like five months or so, sometimes even less between big sets. Okay. Um, and this one was particularly long. And I think it was also exacerbated slightly by the fact that um, there was a really long time before the initial like even the first change like before mm -hmm. the draft open i think they were waiting for the draft open to get closer and so we were with the like initial version of this set for a very long time too um, yeah and to be honest at that point you know when, when they introduced those warp cards i was already kind of burnt out on the format by then yeah. so i didn't even really play the new yeah, those new cards well, all that well. It's like um, the new new format, right? Because there was three right. iterations of sorts, right? Um, but yeah, you know, regardless, that was that, that. That's my big gripe is just that it lasted a little too long, and I think the format did get stale. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it was fun. I liked it. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, just to key off what you were saying, I I, I do think that in the end, the, this format lasted a little bit too long. You know, especially in your height, uh, I play a lot less than uh, you do. And and I, and with hats, hats would often get burned out of a format uh, by the end a lot. And since I just play f fewer drafts, you know, I, I was still actually up enjoying it in, until my break. Um, but kind of the one thing that I think this format has showed um, is that Direwolf hasn't really figured out how to use the draft packs to uh, to effectively change the format. You know, they, they like mm -hmm. we've had three iterations of the format and all three iterations have felt fairly similar. You know, like a few cards have gone up, a few cards have gone down, but I don't know if it's the power level of the set 11 cards, the revelation cards that are causing the issue, but like the draft packs felt like they just weren't able to move the needle enough. Even when the when in this last format they switched, you know, they switched the pack order, um, it still felt dominated by uh, the set 11 cards. And, you know, there have been... Uh, yeah, so, you know, mm. I mean, that's a good observation. It really, it just felt like more of the same, but with slightly different cards. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think it did affect certain things. Like, for example, I think in the first iteration of this format that we started with, you know, Justice was very, has very good set 11 cards and had very good draft pack cards. And then they kind of changed it up and added like a bunch of really good time cards and like, you know, twin brood sauropod, the echo uh, dinosaur. And then, um, and they added Amber Acolyte and all of a sudden, like, I don't know, maybe time was the best color. And then it was just like, but it was still very close because justice, I think still does have better uh, commons and uncommons um 
in set 11. And so like they were able to like boost time up a little bit, but time was already a good color. So it was like, there were some like weird choices in there, in my opinion, but like, um, but it, it, it barely, you know, it's not like all of a sudden justice was the worst color. No, justice was still a great color. Just maybe time was slightly better than it or something. So it felt like it was a lot more subtle massaging than really flipping the format on its head. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it subtle. Yeah, and then, um, but uh, the, but of the positives for the format, like I said, um, I, I really have enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've come to enjoy it more as the format went on. Partly, I think this happens to me a lot, is I continue to do better over the four or five or six months of a format. Um, and as I really kind of, learn it and then maybe as or maybe it's just as the better players get bored and move on i don't know exactly what 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 causes this trend but um and i also really like that even though i i do think that like uh time and justice were the two best colors and you know like frafa was on for an episode and said really he thought like the tjp colors were the best but I really felt fine drafting any of the 10 faction pairs. And I, I think I have not felt that in a lot of formats. This was, to me, in my opinion, one of the most balanced formats in. So all the faction pairs felt viable. And yeah. I, I, I think you're right. And that's a great observation, too, um, where it was definitely a format that you could. You could draft what was open. Um, and always feel comfortable that you would get enough playables. Um, and I think that was a smart way to approach the format, too, to, you know, draft what was open. Don't force Combre. Um, don't force Fricano. Uh, you know, if you, you could easily get a really successful Felm deck. Um, it was a little more difficult. I think you had no maybe... I think you had to know what you were doing or at least have a little bit more knowledge of the format um, than casual to draft some color pairings like film, um, but you could certainly do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, that was the other thing I liked about the format is there's like, actually there are a lot of people out there that totally disagree with my assessment of the format. Totally disagree with my card evaluations and even to this day after six months um i feel like people are 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 still not in agreement on a lot of cards and like people say things on discord or the main discord and i'm like that is not my impression of the format at all and i i think that's i think that's a positive cool thing it is. I mean, if your if your play style lends itself to you know low curve, low power decks, I mean, there you could you could do that here, and vice versa. You could build a, a time ramp deck that you know played five four populist controllers, and that could work too. Um, so I, I, yeah, it was it was it was a it was a versatile format uh, that was good for a lot of people, and maybe that was a little, maybe that's why. Was divisive among the community as to what was best. Yeah. 
All right. So uh, what faction ended up being the best? Uh, this was tough. It, it was. It, it <laughs> After all we just said about everything being viable, um, I'm going to say it was a toss up between justice and time. Um, but for me personally, I liked going with justice. Um, I think Ursa Squadron and Topple, for me, were a little bit better than Time Supply, than uh, Time's uh, uh, Open Way Supplier and Populous Controller. Um, so, you know, I, I, I picked Justice as my favorite color. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I just touched on this. I, I do think I like Justice overall, especially if we just keep the focus to, you know, the set 11 cards and a little bit less about how strong they were relative to their individual formats in the three iterations. I just like, yeah, uh, both like there was nothing worse than facing <laughs> a turn to Ursa squadron, especially when you were on the draw and then topple was just like such a positive tempo swing and could just like wreck you um and topple was good in so many different decks it was like really good in lower to the ground um Rakano decks or aggro decks and then it was really it was just a really great you know control card in slower decks that were just like keeping the board clear until they could play their own populist controllers and stuff um so it was just and any deck was happy to play Ursa <laughs> squadron just because it was so powerful and needed to be dealt with as a two drop. And then also I liked the justice uncommons uh, a lot more than the just, and then the time commons, obviously, um, you know, the spoiler or behold the truth probably. Well, I guess, well, maybe it's a uh, debatable, but was one of the best uncommons. Um, and definitely the, <laughs> the most game winning uncommon in the set. Um, yes. But uh, Justice had a bunch of good uncommons and time did not. Uh, all right. So what were your final top commons in each of the five colors? This is kind of interesting because we this is we differed a, a little bit uh, here. And yeah. you put yours in a crazy, crazy order. Did I? Okay. Well, I'll try to follow your order. So no, first, it's, it's okay. No, no. Let so the, first up uh, is we want fire. people to know the the real cotillion. <laughs> uh, yeah, no rhyme or reason or method. Okay. Uh, so I started off with justice, and I picked topple as my uh, best common justice card. Um, and then for time, it was open way supplier. For primal, it was freight asri. And then for fire, it was Rampaging Commando, which is probably different than a lot of other people's lists. And then for shadow, it was Glen Pathcutter. Um, and again, those are all commons. Um, and um, I guess, you know, for, for most people probably have a similar list, but Rampaging Commando for me for fire was great. I mean, it was it fit exactly what fire or i wanted to be doing in fire and pretty much every format and that's just you know attacking face trying to get as much face damage as i can and you know you get some cheap units on the board you play rampaging commando for three and it just allows you to keep attacking and it allows you to keep on that um tandem attack theme um, i think hats called it you know flanking um, at the beginning of the format 
and it just, yeah, it did. It allowed it allowed you to to really have a successful fire deck. And when I didn't have it in my fire deck, uh, it didn't do that well. I found. Yeah, no, I I think rampaging commando was like one of those underrated cards where I agree with you. I I loved rampaging commando. I would play as many as I could get. I mean, it was just so, it was so much damage. It gave your unit overwhelm. So even if your opponent blocked it, you know, and you lost the unit, you still did, you know, four or five damage. Plus you still had a three, one on board. It was great. Um, Yeah. 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 uh, As for my, I I, I put some hot takes in here that I'll I'll explain, I guess. Um, But uh, I think my number one um, for fire, I picked Blitzstone as my number one common. I I still pack one, pick one would pick Blitzstone over Rampaging Commando, partly because Rampaging Commandos you could get late. So you didn't really have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Then um, for time, I picked uh, Telekinetic Shackles. It's been kind of our our card of the podcast, this format. (laughs) And again, this is kind of weird because I don't think I would pack one, pick one Shackles. So unlike my Blitzstone criteria, I think I would take Supplier over Shackles, pack one, pick one. But I felt like, to me personally, Shackles was one of the defining cards of this format. And I think... I, I. the fact that you could get multiple shackles late in a draft very often was like one of the defining features, how it was shackles was just criminally underrated for so much of the format, just gave time such a boost that uh, it really didn't need. Yeah. I mean, really for me, it was between open way supplier and shackles and shackles was a very close second. Yeah. Uh, then uh, for justice, I picked Ursa Squadron. The reason I picked Ursa Squadron, this might sound weird, maybe you've never had this experience before, but I think pack one, pick one, I picked Ursa Squadron over Topple, even though I think maybe Topple's like a, a better card. Um, you, you know what I mean? I just, it, it, Ursa Squadron fit my game plan, it fit kind of what I wanted to do, even though I think. Topple was probably a generally better card. <laughs> I don't know. You, you know. Um, and then Freight Asri and Pathcutter, I, I agree with you. Especially Freight Asri got buffed, became a great card. Um, and Pathcutter, you, you know, I I think Pathcutter was very good. Part of it was that Shadow didn't have any, like, spectacular <laughs> commons. And so Pathcutter was just, like, uh, a slice above the rest of Shadow's commons. But unlike some people, I didn't think Shadow was a horrible color. I, I really liked Shadow this format, but its commons weren't like, there was no like knock it out of the park common in Shadow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Shadow was something that you had to think about which color you wanted to pair pair with, I guess, um, you know. So, I, and I think, but but, you know, having said that, I think Glenn Path cutter fit any shadow deck basically yeah no it was uh, that was another one there were just like some decks you could have where they would play a path cutter 
And then, I mean, even when you're in an aggro deck and you played your uh, the 3-1 with Valor or, like, you just had a bunch of unvalored 2-2s or 3-2s and you're like, oh, geez, this is... This sucks. <laughs> I'm like, they're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna have to trade with their one drop, and then they're gonna buff something in their hand. You know. Um, yeah, so. it was. It was anything that makes you groan when your opponents play it. You know, that's yeah. a good quote. <laughs> All right. So, how about your top uncommons in a totally different color order? Than is it? Yeah, it is a totally okay. Whatever. Um, uh, so for Justice, I picked Orange Jailer. For Primal, I picked Merciless Officer. For Time, it was Behold the Truth. For Shadow, it was Hypnotic Valkyrie. And then for Shadow, <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to pick one. I have Glen Sapper or D'Angelo Might here. And I think I'm going to have to go with D'Angelo Might over so Glen Sapper. I, I, even on a second pass, you didn't notice, uh, Cotillion. But you have Shadow oh, there twice. And oh, yeah. Hypnotic Valkyrie is Shadow. What did I miss? I missed Fire, didn't I? You missed Fire. <laughs> you, have, right. you have three top one commons for Shadow and none for Fire. Yeah, well, um, I'm going to have to get back to you on the Fire uncommon. Then. <laughs> All right. So between Hypnotic Valkyrie, Glenn Sapper, or D'Angelo Might, I'll go with Hypnotic Valkyrie. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this does show that Shadow had really great uncommons. It did. Um, but as far as my list, uh, starting with Fire, I picked Evoker. Um, then Justice, I picked Orange Jailer, Behold the Truth, Merciless Officer, and Hypnotic Valkyrie. So uh, we don't know if we disagree on these yet because you haven't picked a Fire uncommon. But, uh, you know, Evoker as... Uh, <laughs> The three fire two three with stealth that uh, played the uh, deal one to two targets was just like a very versatile card. It, it blocked a little bit being a two three, uh, so it gave like fire a different body size. And then also just like the two random pings ended up being pretty helpful this format. Yeah, I can get on board with Evoker. All right, yeah. And the rest of the rest of Fire's Uncommons weren't particularly great. I think the card closest in contention is uh, Refracted Sentinel, the 4-2 the that you could either give charge or plus 2, plus 2 to your next unit. That was a good one. And I'm looking up... Okay, so hold on. I'm looking up the Uncommons now, and I do have one. Okay. That is different, and it's Raging Jackal. It's just the one cost 2-1 with Valor. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really liked that card. Uh, it was again, it was it was low low curve, low cost, exactly what I wanted to be doing in fire. Um, but Evoker would be right behind it. Yeah. So then, um, all right. So what what uh, rare or legendary were you hoping to open in set ten? Yeah, so it looks like we agree on this one. And that is Azrog. Oh my gosh. I mean, that card was just absurd. It did so much. Even if it died, I mean, it was still a great card because of what it did, you know, with its um, entombability. Um, yeah, that, that card was insane. Yeah. And I, I didn't so even I have to think for, about it. That, that was the card I put down. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's 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 any other answer really. Um, do, so my question for you then is: so do you think Azrog was more or less frustrating than Decoro from the last format? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I huh. let me think about it for a second. I would probably still pick. Decro over Azrog just because of Regan region um, and the fact that it's you know evasive, but Azrog is is nuts and incredibly frustrating to play against. Unfortunately, I, I never I didn't pick it very often. I never got the opportunity to pick it very often, but it it it, it beat the heck out of me quite a few times. I know that. Um, Oh, yeah, so you were like the people in the draft open that would open two of them somehow. No, that's how I lost day two of the draft draft open was losing to Azrog. Not a good feeling. Um, but yeah, I I'd probably still go with Decrow over Azrog personally. Yeah. I think for me, the fact that there's topple in this format makes me lean Azrog because you still get value even if it gets toppled. Um, and then also, that's a good point. You know, your opponent only has one turn, but um, the oh geez, what is it called? Clear the skies. The the three primal deal two or deal six to something in the air. Right. Yeah. There were I mean, there were definitely more ways to deal with decrow this format than. Than you know the, the previous format where where, where Decro came from, um, but I guess for me the whole thing with Azrog is that you still need two attackers to you know trigger its upfront ability. Yeah. Um, where you know Decro was just busted from the moment it was played. Um, but no, those are good points. Those are good points. Was there? Any card that you overrated uh, in this format? So for me, um, I remember when, I guess, spoilers for the format were just coming out and Skysweeper Sky Sweeper, um, was spoiled and everybody was just, oh, this is the new Barricade Basher. It's going to, you know, this is the card that, every, that you're going to have to deal with. Um, define, you know, the, it's going to define the format. And it really never ended up being that. I don't think for anybody. I mean, it's a good card, but I, I think it was overrated. And uh, I'm, uh, I think mainly because people started to figure out that you needed to ping or at least try to do something to get the stealth units to not get off their ultimate. And um, for that reason, Skysweeper, a lot, a lot of the times, just never activated itself and became a 4-4 flyer. Um, so I think that was a little bit overrated. Yeah. And then also, I mean, just like we talked about with Decro, there just were, it wasn't quite as disastrous because even if it triggered its ultimate, because there, there were ways to deal with it effectively yeah. this format. Yep. How about you? Yeah. My two, uh, I had two that I, that I kind of overrated at first and slowly went down on, um, and, and they kind of fit a theme, and that's uh, Overthrow and Boiling Geyser. So Overthrow is the the four-cost Justice Justice 
uh, fast spell that you could kill a four cost unit or higher. And then Boiling Geyser was the one primal deal three to a, a unit that was just played this turn. And both of these were like sort of conditional removal in a format that had, I think, some very good removal. And then also, kind of like we were talking about, there was such a diversity of decks that it was really hit or miss whether the removal did anything. You know, like with Overthrow, you could just play these fire aggro decks that never went above three or had two cards in their deck above three costs. And you, you just sat yeah. there with the dead card in your hand or you played a boiling geyser or you had a boiling geyser in hand and then your opponent just started dropping those four populist controllers you were talking about. And you're just like, Oh, you know, they could, they just felt so bad sometimes. And so I just kept taking them less and less because I found that, you know, being proactive or using other other tools was just a better way to have a better deck yeah i agree i think both of them maybe had a shining moment depending on the meta of the draft format like in the beginning of the draft of, of the format it was very fast i don't know if you remember but you know Rakana was everywhere and you know in that, in that time boiling geyser probably was a lot better um than it was later in the format when like you said, people started to figure out how to build these different decks. So you weren't always guaranteed to play, you know, at least three or four fast decks um, during a run. So, you know, oftentimes Boiling Geyser just was a dead card. It never really did anything. Um, and Overthrow, yeah, Overthrow was a little bit of expense, expensive. Um, I liked it, but, you know, I was never that high on it, so... Yeah. I guess it wasn't. Oh, I guess like for me, it was never overrated or underrated. But um. yeah, I think part of it for me a little bit is I was like, oh, well, you, you know, it's one more costs one more than topple, but it but it's fast speed. So you could kind of you could sometimes get the blowout where like your opponent uses a trick to try to save their unit and then you overthrow or something. But part of the problem was that topple and overthrow killed all the same things because a lot of the four, four cost units or bigger were bigger units. So topple would hit them. And then also because they were bigger units, your opponent didn't need to play a trick to try to save, you know what I mean? Right. So um, it was just felt harder to get the blowout with that card. Um, all right, so were there any cards that you felt like were underrated at first that ended up being better than you thought? Yeah, and I think one of your previous guest hosts uh, turned me onto this card that I do think was very underrated, um, and that's Cyber Hyena, um, which was the uh, three-cost stealth primal unit. Um, it was a 2-1, and it had Reckless. What? That's that's crazy. That's a terrible card. Um but when it died, it drew you a card, and it was, it, it was, it turned out to be a really good card for, I mean, a lot of primal decks, because it, you never really lost that much value, even at its worst case, um, because it, it always replaced itself, and it was a good way to um, block 
against you know really aggressive decks uh, to give yourself more time to stabilize um, because it was a cheap blocker that again replaced itself and other times it was a card that actually needed to be dealt with sometimes um, if you were skycrag for instance and you know you were actually uh, more aggressive um, you could use that as part of your tandem attacks um, so it was it was it was, it was a versatile card and I'm I, I still there's still a part of me that fights against playing it and picking it so much but um, yeah it, it is it's 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 decent it's decent and I definitely underrated it and I think a lot of people did yeah I think I still give in to that that feeling of not wanting to pick it because <laughs> after that episode I started picking them a lot higher I I still didn't have particularly great experiences <laughs> with cyber hyena so I have a feeling that I'm the one that's doing <laughs> doing something wrong but you know like in that episode with Pachi, he, you know, he kept talking about all these, like, you could get two for one where you block, kill something, and draw a card. And I was like, man, <laughs> I just attack with this reckless thing, and then my opponent eats it, and then I spent three power to cycle. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I agree that it is it, definitely still underrated <laughs> by me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, similar though card that I, I I feel like was always underrated, and then I do think people kind of went up on that on it is uh, Thorn Crawler, which is the you know the three cost three shadow uh, stealth unit that's a four one with life steal, but it can't block. Man, I I loved this card. <laughs> I don't know why. I didn't like Cyber Hyena, but loved Thorncrawler because Thorncrawler essentially had Reckless because it can't block, so you might as well attack with it. But it just was so good in every kind of shadow deck. In aggressive Stone Scar decks, it helped kind of turn races around. Um, it traded up because of four attack, and people were highly incentivized to block Shadow Stealth units. Um, and then even in defensive decks, it just like gave you some time. It synergized with a lot of like the Feln, um, oh geez, what's it called? A surprise, you know, it synergized with like surprise raid. Is that what it's called? Oh yeah, surprise raid was a great card. Yep. Yeah, you know, or um, with uh, rooted observer, so it had some stealth synergies there. So. Or it just, like, you know, forced your aggressive opponent to have to block because they couldn't let you just keep getting four lifesteal every turn, um, you know, as they were trying to kill you. So I think it just did a lot of work, and it looked like such a, a derpy card. And we've had these, like, we had the imbue 4-1 that couldn't block before, and then... And that was a really bad card, so I think people were just not expecting a 4-1 that can't block to be good, but it turns out giving it lifesteal and making it stealthy um, is a, a good way to, <laughs> you know, yeah. it turned out it ended up playing better than it looked. Yeah, that, the Thorncrawler was was good, um, and it was good yeah, from, from day one. 
for all the reasons that you that you just said. And it was also interesting where, you know, it paired well with the other shadow stealth units. Um, and it basically, I mean, like if you were playing against an opponent who put down a shadow stealth unit, I mean, you pretty much had to block it, right? I mean, yeah. and and Thorncrawler would oftentimes kill your blocking unit and yeah, gain your opponent life back. I mean, it was it was kind of a devastating card, um, to be honest. And it, yeah, well, yeah, or it, if it should they have never block been it, then you you now have you hit them for four, and then they still have to block it next turn. And so now you've gained eight life. It was just, yeah, it, it was, a huge, it was a huge swing. Yeah. A good card. All right. And so now for the final one, were there any questions, were there any cards that you properly rated, but the community <laughs> over or underrated that? You- <laughs> um, all right. So I am still high on this card and that is recycle. And that's a, a fire um, fast spell that, uh, does it cost three or two? I forget at this it's, point. It just oh costs two. It's cheap. It just costs two. And you sacrifice a unit uh, to play three 1-1 one, one Grenadines. Um, isn't that right? Yes. I want to make sure I've, yeah, it's, it's been that long since I've, since I've drafted. So, uh, <laughs> but I, I always loved that card, but I, I like sacrifice themed decks. So I'm a little bit more comfortable playing um, something like this, but I, I I always liked it, and I continue to like it. And again, I think it fit. I hate to reiterate this, what I wanted to do with a fire deck, and that's to attack and to keep attacking with at least two units, even if they were throwaway units, even if my opponent would kill them. Um, it still let me get that tan- whatever tandem effect that I wanted. It allowed me to keep doing that, and sometimes it would be a surprise block too um, on you know, the opponent's turn where, you know, whatever single unit I had wasn't enough. Well, you know, three one, one Grenadines maybe was enough. Um, or it was enough for lethal the following turn, you know, to go wide on them. I like, to me, it was just very versatile and that's what I liked about it. Um, and I didn't see many in the seven win deckless, um, other than, you know, the ones I submitted that had it. So I, I don't know. It was it's it's still a little mind boggling that it, it it doesn't work out for folks, but I I'm sticking to my guns and I think it's a good card. <laughs> no, I, I love it. It's it's <laughs> the, it's the new devour. It is the new devour. Yeah, that was my pet card last format too, right? Um, yeah. And recycle's good, or at least it was good and constructed with with trying to carve it, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I have two cards, which is why I, I added this question, this, <laughs> this go around. Um, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, f- funny because at the, before the start of the format, um, when we, we mentioned it already, when lava burst was revealed, I think people were pretty high on it because I think there's the obvious comparison of like gun down and, Fire often likes to have like one bigger removal, sort of get rid of anything removal. And then this one had the added bonus of being able to go face. Um, And so people were kind of high on it. And I was just like, man, six is a lot. And I I agree, gun down for five is a lot, but like six is a real lot. (laughs) 
And I think that's kind of how it turned out. Not that I never played a Lava Burst, not that I didn't die to a Lava Burst. I won a couple games top decking a Lava Burst, but it wasn't a card I was like excited to have in my deck. Um, you know, and I think it was even hurt further by the fact that you had a card like Detonation Cannon that was just like a better way to deal <laughs> damage um, and was sort of more modal in it, its use. I don't think I ever picked Lava Burst once. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other card, uh, I just like this story because uh, when the fir- format first came out, um, Freight Asri was a 1-4 um, for 4 that gave, you know, that someone gave you a face ages. And I was like, I don't understand... Why they always have these like s- stupid flyers in primal that like give you a face ages but are like a horrible rate. Like we've had like a one three before. This one was a one four. I was like, I don't understand why they can't just make this a two four. And then people yep. on Discord were like, no, it'd be way too good at two four. It'd be like the best common in the set. And I was like, <laughs> I just don't. I think it would be it would be good, but I don't think it'd be bre- game breaking as a two four. Just like a four cost two four, and then like with the trinket test text of giving face ages, and then what do you know? A couple months later, they buffed Raid Astry to a two four, and um, I do think the one thing I was wrong on was that the the face ages. This was actually probably the format face ages has been most important in, and so it, it turned out that it wasn't really trinket text, and I probably would have played it even as a 1-4 after that sort of had fact had dawned on me a little bit more, but it was just kind of mm-hmm. interesting that really felt like it had fit a theme as a 1-4 and that, and then I called, uh, it was my called shot on what, what I thought it should be. And then it turned into that card. Yeah, you called it, you called it and it did. It ended up being uh, one of the best commons in the set after, after the buff. Yeah. But like you said, it might have been underrated when it was a 1-4, right? Yeah, I, I think it might have been. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So did you have a favorite type of deck in this format? Um, I did, and I picked Skycrag. Um, I really liked when it came together, when you had a lot of the cheap Asri flyers and like a Raging Jackal, you know, those cheap units that you threw down early, and then maybe you threw down like a, the, some of those three-cost uh, units that we, well, one of which we talked about earlier, a Rampaging Commando to keep pushing damage. Um, Mercenary Vanguard, I love that card, um, where every time you attack twice, you know, your two attacking units still, you know, one and one to, to, to your opponent's face. Um, tandem Training was a very very powerful relic um if you could get it online and have some you know attackers already on the field uh so i i i just thought those decks were a blast to play when they came together um it it wasn't the most powerful deck but uh, it was it was enjoyable yeah i think skycrag was one of my least drafted color pairs but I don't think that was really speaking to it being underpowered or anything. It's just I never ended up there. Um, but I do like a lot of the cards you talked about. 
I do think I'm probably lower than you are on tandem training specifically because uh, it felt like you really had to draw that card to make your deck good. <laughs> but um, sometimes that was the case. But I think like, yeah, that's why you needed some fallback plans with specifically the mercenary vanguard. I think that was an important um, yeah. unit to that deck being successful. another underrated card, I think. Yeah, that card was awesome. Um, yeah, so uh, my favorite type of deck to draft in this format, I think, was definitely Argentport Discard. It just had so many fun things going on. And um, you know, uh, recently people have been talking about Argentport being bad in the main Discord or that it was like too synergistic and so it never got there. And then so if you did get a great deck, it was really powerful, but then you mostly it would fail. But I felt like I I never had my Argentport discard discard decks be all in. I was just like happy with a lot of the cards. Like I was happy with the common, even if I couldn't discard it, just you know, you were still getting um what is it, a seven six of stats for six if you just played it fairly you know it's a four cost three two and then a two cost four three like that's totally fine right. or if your opponent wasted some removal on it while you didn't have power up you know they wasted their uh you know their removal on uh, some common you have and and then you could get the you know like the ultimate blow like one of my favorite plays in the game it didn't come together very often but was collapsing you know if you had four power playing collapse discarding uh uh whatever what's it called do you remember was it send a message no actually well that's too uncommon no i playing collapse discarding the the three two putting a four three on board at fast speed and then being able to like block with that and then you sort of you know, so you killed two of theirs for one card and you're left with a 4-3 on board. Um, so it was just like a, a lot of fun stuff like that. There was a lot of incidental synergy. You got the, you know, make, use the um, use the 2-2 two, two, uh, for two for like a, a multiple ways. You got to use all of its modes. You know, it makes it an opponent not be able to block, but you could also discard from yourself, get some really good hits. And then also, I like I've been saying, I've just liked the Justice and the Shadow cards, and so it was just a fun deck to play with some cute synergies, too. Did you ever... So, I, I mean, I know you said you didn't often go all in on it. Did you ever uh, try playing, I think it was Soil Renewal? <laughs> <laughs> where it was just discard. There was a relic that just discarded the top two cards of your deck each turn. That card I was crazy. Didn't, I didn't play any of that stuff. I often didn't play the uncommon uh, relic, the the uncommon justice relic, where each time you discarded a, of someone discarded a card, you play a two two, or that two two would gain plus two plus right, two. Right. Like a recruitment effort, I think is what yeah. it's called. Yeah, I I think I, those kind of cards I, I don't often like playing and I didn't play. I just thought there was enough synergy built in that, you know, you could just make a good deck playing good cards. There was. Yeah, there was. I totally agree with you. I, but but I, I lost twice 
to back-to-back games with the same opponent playing that soil renewal. Yeah, um, I'll probably never forget that. Yeah, no, I but I agree also. Like, I agree with the main, main Discord sentiment that, like, if someone did go all in on Argentport and then got the nuts deck, it was just, it just felt, they were just, like, doing so many things. And you're like, <laughs> you just couldn't do anything. Right, right. Yeah, you had no chance. Yeah. Um, it was it was a powerful deck, no doubt uh, about it. And then the deck I probably actually drafted the most was Elysian, and that was just boring old Elysian where time had good cards, and then Primal is always underdrafted, so you just get a lot of late freight Asri's, and then you had yourself a deck. And so I just like both of the all those cards, and then I played a lot. All right. So, what card did you play that never did what you wanted it to do? Yeah, this was a shame. This was our spoiler, overclocked sentinel for me. Um, and that was the sentinel where if you played a, a a relic, then it got you and overclocked sentinel both got double damage that turn. Um, and I could. Man, I tried. It was it was Ricano, so it was in a little bit of a tough color because it was a little expensive. Because so, so it was a little bit of a late game, which Ricano didn't lend itself to, I don't think. But maybe that was the reason that it never worked out for me. But I could never kind of get the right sequence where you know Overclock Sentinel came down, and then you play your um, your cannon the following turn. It just it just never happened um, to me. It I had it happened once against me um but which was cool to see but yeah that was it was a little disappointing i wish that card card had turned out better yeah yeah those cards i mean i, I the same thing always happened with me with linex which is kind of similar except linex was a a 3 uh, was a 3 3 flyer so flyer, yeah. made her just fine as it is but man, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I drafted a Linux, I drafted a ton of weapons, and then no, <laughs> never got that to work. And the same thing was with Overclock Sentinel, where you just, it's one of those cards where you got to draw the cards in the right order, and you can't play too many relics that deal damage in your deck. Um, so right, yeah, and I never, I, I could never figure out, yeah, that sweet spot. Um, um, for me, it was Cover from the Storm. This is the second set in a row where Primal has had an uncommon deal three to everything card. And, man, I, I've lost the Cover from the Storm. I've seen people, you know, destroy a board with Cover from the Storm. But every time I had Cover for the Storm in my deck and I thought, okay, I could be like a more defensive deck and use this to buy time and stuff, it just never worked out for me. And it was also weird where so many of the stealth units died to cover from the storm. So of your own too. And so you had to like decide whether you would like not attack with your stealth units in order to get more value. But then you're like sort of um, signaling to your opponent that you probably had a cover from the storm. So it was just like a, tough card to play and i never played it right and it never did what i wanted it to do even though dealing three to everything seems so powerful and it has this you know 
just like the one from the last format where it wouldn't kill your Grenadin, like this one wouldn't kill your stealth. So it's like, oh, I can take advantage of this of this symmetry and make it asymmetrical, but I just couldn't figure out how to do that. Yeah, I I, I feel the same way. I drafted it a, a number of times and it never really worked out um, because I think you do. I think you want that blowout when you when you draft it and I just never had the blowout. Maybe it would yeah. kill one or two units, um, but or maybe I just couldn't play it because it would kill my, you know the, the 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 units that were important on my end of the board. Um, it was a yeah, I I agree. It was a good pick. Yeah, and then especially like even after like they boost they you know buffed rooted observer, but it still died to this, and so then you're like. And that was like such a great stealth payoff. It was like weird. It was like, I don't know. Yeah. Put it in a weird spot for me. So what card made you groan when your opponent played it against you? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go back to Azrog. I, whenever that came down, I kind of knew that the game was over. Um, I mean, even if you had a way of dealing with it, it just, yeah, I, the, the, the backup units with charge and increased attack i mean it just that, that card was nuts and yeah um, i'll be glad to not see it again <laughs> yeah as much i i agree <laughs> i th i think that's the easy one um luckily i didn't see too many azrogs which uh made it a little easier pill for me to swallow um Mine was uh, turn two, Mavel off to, I mean, Urza Squadron. Gosh, that was so, that was like my early game, like turn two. They always had it. <laughs> if they played a Justice Sigil turn one, I knew Urza Squadron was coming turn two every time. And sometimes you would just have a hand that couldn't deal with a turn two Urza Squadron, and it felt really bad. Um, and then uh, maybe this is just me, but every single rare and mythic stealth unit i just hated them all some of them weren't even that good but it's just like you have a plan you know all the stealth units you you execute your plan and then you just get blown out because the the stealth unit they played was actually a rare and like in time, it had deadly, and you weren't expecting a deadly stealth unit, or it was uh, Kako, and then you know you just got blown out and got three for one or, or whatever, yeah. or it was one of the fire ones, and all of a sudden you got hit for eight damage, or it was the legendary Callus Triggerment. Like, yeah, it was just so frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, rare, rares, the rares and mythics or legendaries in this format in general were, were pretty powerful. Yeah, and I just oh. think that stealth making it, like, further hidden information made it impossible to play around them effectively, at least for at my level of play skill. I just pretended they weren't there, and then sometimes they were and it just felt like a really bad way to lose it felt worse than when the when your opponent plays a face-up bomb because you're at least you're like you don't get blown out as much 
because you have a turn to react. The problem with the stealth units is they would block or you would block and then you would get blown out. Right. At least right. if they played a decro, I, I can decide whether I need to chump it for a few turns or whatever. With the stealth units, you just got blown out. And so that that hurt the stealth mechanic for me, just like that that, that potential was there. And then finally my rare my was justice sketch. That was so grown inducing. You'd be like playing a fun game, you'd get into a board stall, you're like, oh I think I, I think I can like get out of this. And then they would play a justice sketch and you're like, oh never <laughs> winning this game. Oh yeah. And if it didn't take long, I mean one activation of a justice sketch would completely stonewall your board sometimes. Um, so you couldn't even race it, even though it was, it, it's technically kind of a slow card, but I mean, if you weren't already well ahead, yeah, it just, it just stopped you. That's, that's a yeah. good pick. Well, okay. You said Azrog was a little easy one. So I'll say, uh, Tarius, the Combray yeah. unit that was a three, three with Valor and with Aegis. Yeah. That was a pain in the butt to deal with too. Yeah, I, I agree. I did beat someone in league that played turn three and turn four um, Tarius against me. Um, that felt pretty good, but I had a really good draw that was, I was able to play units bigger than it and then just sort of stop it. And then okay. go yeah, from there. Well, in, uh, in league, maybe you could do that tomorrow, but at least in the draft format, there wasn't many ways to, uh, to defend against Tarius. Unless you had Populous Controller or something. That card yeah. was a menace. Um, all right. So then uh, was there any card that an opponent would play that made you think, I absolutely cannot lose to this card? Oh, this was an easy one. Yeah. Tactical Expertise. Um, it was a fast spell. What, the opponent got plus three health for each attacking unit. And I... I saw I saw this card way way too often for what for, for how for how bad of a card I think it is. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know why people picked it so often. I mean, it really didn't have any synergies. Um, it was such a niche card, and it, I mean, I I think one time my opponent gained like twenty life off of it, and it's I still won. I, I would just it, it was it was just a, a poor card and. I don't think I ever did lose to it. So, um, yeah, that's a good thing. But then, honestly, soil, soil, that soil renewal card would be right right there on this list, too. And I did lose to that twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tactical expertise is definitely on my list. And I did lose to it in the draft open in a heartbreaking game that maybe oh, broke no. my spirits and ruined the rest of my run. I don't know. Oh, no. My opponent. Sorry, played, I didn't know that when I picked that card. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> in that game that I lost, my opponent played two of them, Jeez. and probably, and that, so at one point was at forty something life, and I had a behold the truth in hand, and my opponent wasn't attacking me and killing me. They were just like stalling the game. They're at forty life. I'm like behind. I have this behold and truth in hand, but I but just amplifying it once wouldn't kill them. 
So I had to wait to get to uh, uh, what do you, what do you need? You need thirteen, I guess. Uh, right. And I was stuck on twelve power for like five turns. I remember you saying this. Yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was awful. Um, well, there you go. You gave somebody their only win with tactical with tactical expertise. <laughs> but but then um, I. Uh, my other card was Sentinel Mold. That's a good one. It's just, I don't even know. I think this was kind of a divisive card, but I decided that it was just bad. And I played against so many Sentinel Molds. Like, everyone played Sentinel Mold. <laughs> a lot of them played it turn one, and it still was just, like, not a good card and shouldn't be in your deck. And so I, I always felt like I had to beat it. To show people that even a turn one Sentinel Mold, it was not particularly good. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess it was something that like, allowed, or theoretically allowed a fire deck to like scale into the mid game and late game, but it never did. It never did. It never worked out that way. Um, so I'm glad you did. You I'm glad you didn't lose to it. I didn't lose to it often, thankfully. Very good. Um, all right. So I, our final question. Um, so did this draft format teach you something that helped you improve your limited game, or did you have any further takeaways uh, from this format than what we discussed? Um, I think for me, we mentioned this right at the beginning of the podcast, and that was it, it taught me to play without plunder. A little bit more successfully as time went on. Um, I think we were all spoiled with plunder for a while, and then when it went away in this set, we kind of had to readjust our thinking. And I, I, I know I did. And there were certain ways that eventually you were able to figure out. Well, th- this does work to, I guess, you know, be a uh, a substitute, even if it's a poor substitute for plunder, to avoid flooding, to avoid, um, you know, power screw, and you know, one, one like for for instance, runes. You know, I still I still think runes actually are underrated generally um, by the pool of players out there because I would still I would I would see them way too late. Um, but sketches, you know, these things were power but they also, you know, had a a different uh, ability tacked onto them so that if you were technically, quote unquote, flooded by drawing one of these, well, really, you know, it it might not be a flood in in the true sense of the word. And then, you know, there were there was ransack, bottled insight, um, customs munitions. These were all cards that you could pick up to use your flooded power in a productive way by, you know, discarding it mainly um, or, you know, using it to discard to draw other cards. And and then there was what some units that actually allowed you to tweak your power base a little bit too, like reliable troops and nurturing Sentinel and um, some of the ramp units, open way supplier um, where, you know, that would allow you to cheat on power a little bit. So, you know, I, I think, it, I miss plunder, and you know I, I hope we see it again. And you know this this format had a little bit of it, but just not nearly enough. Um, 
But again, it, it forced it forced you to figure out a way to when you're drafting to to build a deck to compensate for that lack of plunder. Yeah, I, I think those are all all, all good points. Um, yeah, for me, uh, you know, this format, I think I was my takeaway was a, a little bit more personal. I just like I feel like this is one of my best performing formats and. You know, I'd never really gotten into top 10 and I did it twice this format and that felt really good. And kind of also this format, maybe finally I've gotten to the point where I, I feel a little bit more confident in my opinions and like feel like I have a grasp of limited and can both play and talk about it. it, it uh, uh, I can't think of the word, but in a respectable sort of uh, in a respectable manner, I guess. I don't know. Something worth saying. Well, for well, first, congratulations. I think you know, yeah, that, that that's that's an awesome feeling, and you did, you did, you did awesome in the format. And you know, you mentioned earlier that you felt like variance kind of went your way, went the other way. No, no, no. You don't get top ten, top five through variance. You know, you 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 did that by playing the format. And drafting very well, very, very well. So that's awesome. And then you always have respectable things to say. So, um, yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll just leave it at that. But I understand what you're saying. I mean, it is, it's a good feeling to get in the top 10 and the top five and all that. So I'm glad you got there. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that's a great place to leave off. So, uh, thank you, Cotillion, for coming on. Uh, it's, like I said, the the masses they demanded it, and and I'm glad you're here to deliver. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, when hopefully if you want to have me back, we'll we'll have some fresh fresh things to talk about with the new cards and the new format, and uh, what we're having another draft open coming up, right? So yeah. I, I can't do rewards a lot of a lot of good things on the horizon for eternal draft yep yeah i'm looking forward to it and yeah pretty so probably next week even we'll be talking about uh a bunch of new cards the um the preview event i think is starting tomorrow so we're going to get a drop of a whole bunch of commons and uncommons for the preview event and uh yeah nice. pretty exciting time cool Cool. So that's our show. Thank you again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. You can join us in our Discord. Link in the show notes. Finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts about the show. It really helps get the word out um, and gets people to join the Discord for more people to talk with. Um, and don't forget to send in all your 7-1 deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Catch you later.